Hello and welcome to Under the Skin with me, Russell Brand, and him, Ronnie Barker. I know that's a reference that a few English people will get. With him, Adam Curtis, for part two of Russell Brand and Adam Curtis. I hope you enjoyed the last part. Why are you laughing for, Jen? <laughs> Did you say your name multiple times? So what? <laughs> you said that you've got the eyes of a predator, when a lot of the people think you're a little pip eye. And tennis players, I think, have quite close together eyes. Which ones? Uh, Novak Djokovic. Who's that Australian one that's a bit of a bad boy? I don't know. Well, he's my favourite anyway. <laughs> There's potentially a predator. And he's are these eyes close to <laughs> Yeah, they're just above his nose, which is right in the middle. I think he's got lovely eyes. It doesn't mean they're not nice. But whereas you, you you're my the... my eyes aren't nice. Yeah, they're beady eyes. <laughs> Why? So what, it because you... when I smile, they go like this. You say that the predators have their eyes at the front and the yeah. prey has their eyes around the side like wing yeah. mirrors. Yeah, you're or like a deer. in between, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've nice eyes, haven't I? I've got good it's eyebrows. It's not the eye itself, it's just the eye placement. Yeah, but yours, there's beady eyes. <laughs> like beady little owl I'm eyes. It's my most self conscious thing. Is it? And you can't change it. That's your worry. Like you when people put plastic. fried eggs in a pan, not me because I'm vegan, but when people do, and I have to make them for my kids sometimes, you put fried eggs in a pan and maybe they go a bit too close together. They're not that close. That's you. Uh, it's the one thing you can't really do with plastic surgery either. You can't move your eye placement. What about, could you not use some kind of bag? A bag? <laughs> <laughs> head bag. Oh, oh, no. Like a head bag? That's that would take nice. out a lot of the other problems. The my face? That, your whole of that area. It is my least favourite bit of me. Your eyes? My face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, what about the personality, Jen? Surely that deserves some discussion to be considered the absolute worst bit of you. Look, what if Adam Curtis is listening to this, hoping to hear <laughs> be, about what a great documentary film? He'd probably film. back me up, wouldn't he? Yes, he would, wouldn't he? How does he speak like this? Yeah, lovely voice. You can't argue with Adam mm-hmm. Curtis's voice, can you? Look, well, this is to promote his work. Can't get you out of my head. An emotional history of the modern world. It's a six-part series you can find now on the BBC. Adam Curtis is brilliant. His eyes are the right distance apart. <laughs> are they? Yeah, more or less. I mean, Can not you like, picture his eyes? Not like some people. They're a couple of... <laughs> like, you know when you play a pinball machine no. and they're lined up? I prefer to have wide-set eyes. Anyone with wide-set eyes is always better looking. Who's got wide-set eyes? Models. Killian Murphy. Yeah, best eyes ever. And I don't look at eyes, really. His eyes are barely even on the same head. <laughs> yeah. He must He must meet a lot of targets for you because he's also got the chisel jaw. Yeah, he's one of my favourite people. But I saw him in a lavvy once. He was pretty handsome in And there. he's quite short. I, I believe he may have been. What? <laughs> what? What do you mean? What does that mean? I believe he may have no, been. Why didn't you know? I don't memorise everyone I see in the toilet. <laughs> I saw Tim Burton in another toilet. Why, why do you keep meeting people in toilets? <laughs> I follow a lot of men. What, do you loop. say anything? Well, Tim Burton and Mike on. No, both of them, I think Mike on. Right? Like that. You don't go into yeah. it in the toilet unless you're an off-key character, No. I don't know. I think in women's toilets they might. Well, what do you do? You I, don't know. I don't talk to anyone ever. <laughs> you don't really talk to us at work. No. I speak when I'm spoken to. Good technique. Yeah. Is that your technique? Yeah, because then if I start, I won't stop. Ah, yeah, I've noticed that in these podcast intros you talk a lot. <laughs> you a lot told of people me saying, you're speaking to me. A lot of people say you're ruining it, the podcast. Make Look at these emails here that say that. Hold on, where are the comments? You don't have none? I do. Oh, Jen. Right, look, let's uh, say this about Adam Curtis. He's great. He's a great guest. He His films explore sociology, psychology, philosophy, 
That's how that's pronounced. <laughs> Political history. <laughs> he's like this documentary, can't get you out of my... What do you reckon he's quote? What songs do you reckon he's saying? He loves pop culture, he loves music. An emotional history of the modern world. Do you think it's Kylie Minogue? Why? Did she have a song I called An Emotional History of the World? Oh, yeah. Uh, you're learning. Isn't there... Um, um, well, I can't remember the name of the band. Could be someone like... You'd, you'd think it would be someone... Wait, um, I don't know. Maybe like Roxy Music. That's the sort of thing I imagine Curtis listening to. Though he likes Burial, doesn't he? And things like that. He likes ambient music. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, listen. These are some comments from the Jonathan Haidt podcast. He was a brilliant guest. Haidt. Jonathan Haidt podcast. He was a good guest, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And our upcoming guests are quite good. Like, uh, who have we got next week? Joel Backen. That's already. I thought we were buying a bit of time here. Oh, no, we're not buying any time. We, some time. Have we? Yeah. We couldn't get a week off, though, if we wanted. No, it's not next week. It is the one after this one. But Adam Curtis part one is, well, I'm ruining the illusion of the intro. It's coming. It will have already been out, but it hasn't come out in right. present life. <laughs> when are we going to get a holiday? You can't go on I, holiday. I go, can't go anywhere. I want to go on holiday. Where do you want to go? Hawaii somewhere warm? Sri Lanka. Why? Because it's someone I know has a house and trying to go to Sri Lanka. Who? My friend. Which one? <laughs> uh, you don't know her. Do you, when you say her, do you mean that it's a, a friend in a no, loving... No, it's not a lesbian. It's not a lesbian. I don't like to put labels on things myself. Don't no, put labels on things. She's married. Oh, another marriage ruined. <laughs> another marriage I don't want ruined. to have an affair with it. You want to talk about some of the people you fancy at Luminary? I don't. You're the one who fancies people. I do. Yeah. There's Steve. But they listen to this. Square jaw, Steve. Yeah. And they're not all of the rest of them. Trade <laughs> <laughs> diplomats. They're all pretty good-looking people, aren't they? Yeah. Don't you think on our Zoom calls? Yeah. Oh, that's enough on that. Because actually, <laughs> so judging, this is luminary. You don't thing. judge someone by what they look like, do you, Jen? Even if they've got little, say, pip eyes. But everyone judges what everyone looks like. That's right. That's the way of the world. But is it better to be judged by your looks or your personality? Who cares? Don't want to be judged at all. Especially if you've got a couple of little pip eyes. Like I don't. Couple, my poor eyes. Little pips. Yeah. <laughs> like two peas rolling up against the no. end of a matchstick. Either side, you know? Like a... Your face is like a division sign. No! That's <laughs> <laughs> so cruel. I'm pretty pleased with that. Now, you'd be more like a comma. You can't just pull grammar out of the air. I just looked at you. Do you think I'm like a comma? If anything, I'm like brackets. Here's some comments from the Jonathan Hyde podcast. PJL. In the UK, we have political parties and prime ministers that are nearly exclusively populated from individuals who went to the most expensive private schools and universities, followed by careers in journalism, law, straight politics. That doesn't provide the necessary experience and skill to manage a country well. Well, you're going to love the podcast coming up with old... Um, because in that we talk about this sort of stuff mate and you're going to love it because this is what we're thinking of is starting a truly populist political party standing candidates in every seat in the land taking over running tins a bit different a little bit different (laughs) tins will be wouldn't they Jen I thought it was the name of it was truly for a second like the truth oh what didn't you say truly something (laughs) yeah alright but for the political party yeah okay Ross Frey won. Elitism is politics created by them for them. Yeah, well done, mate. Kirsten Bartz. Love this podcast. Lots of sense spoken. Before it started, the chisel jaw convo. No better chisel jaw than on a certain Henry Cavill. Well, he's Superman. Is he? That's right. That's who he is. He's the Witcher person, too. He's Witcher. He's Superman. Two roles that require a lovely chisel yeah, jaw. Yeah, only heroes always have chisel jaws. 
They don't have round jaws. No. No. Why? That's a shame, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> For those that would like to be a hero. Yeah, if you, you have to have a chisel jaw. But you won't even look at a photo for a date with someone unless they've got the chisel jaw, will you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no point even... It's wasting their time. <laughs> That's that your eyes drift straight to the jaw. Yeah. <laughs> and they ain't got very far to drift, have they? <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the mailing list. We've got some good things coming up. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do... A free meditation thing where, like, anyone, you just get sent a thing, you can come on there and meditate. Hold on, Demire's lurking at the corner. I'm just here for information in case you need it. Go on, shout in there while maintaining a healthy social distance in the workplace. What uh, what is the thing? Well, we're going to have several people on the podcast to Uh take us through meditations and, you know, various mental health tools. (laughs) And then we're doing a video series of thinkers that, you're into, so. God, this is brilliant. So you've got to subscribe to the mailing list. Thanks, Demai, for that. Um, okay, so just join the community at russellbrand.com to receive those messages. Check out my YouTube channel for more spiritual videos, clips and all that, and uh, follow me on social media. I'm on all of them, except Snapchat. Mm. <sighs> Too never, late. Yeah. We can't keep doing it. It's exhausting. There's a new one called Clubhouse as well. I oh, know. I've heard about Clubhouse. In, what have you got to do on that? It's inv- only. I've been invited. By who? You don't need to know about me invites. Are we going to do it? <laughs> uh, Sadly, one of their rules is no pip eyes. <laughs> <laughs> None of the old belt hole it's eyes. It's kind of like... Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if this is... <laughs> it reminds me of Popeye. <laughs> you poor, poor thing. Popeye and Popeye. <laughs> Look, people come to this podcast to learn, although I do know some people, Noel Fitzpatrick, super vet, he loves this bit. Thank you. But there's other people <laughs> want to learn about Adam Car- Curtis, one of the <laughs> most brilliant thinkers and filmmakers of our time, an innovative and wonderful man. Absolutely will not have a bit of fun, though, will he? On the Is th- that not him kind of having fun? Well, that's his way of having fun. He's like when I sort coy, of tease him, just yeah, going... silence. Coy silence. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that is what it is. Well, I love him regardless. Nothing he does can stop me loving him. I think I've proven that by now. His latest documentary, Can't Get You Out of My Head, An Emotional History of the Modern World, is a six-part series you can watch now on the BBC. This is a good bit. We talk about that moment where Marianne Williamson was stand as a candidate for the Democratic Party, where for a moment the conversation around politics altered before returning to the more familiar, sterile environment that we're used to with... Uh, politics with nations such as ours. Do you remember anything else about it, Jen? He said that she spoke in a language that was epic. Yeah, that's right. And it was much a lot different than everyone else. You can listen to more episodes of Under the Skin only on Luminary, a subscription podcast network with original shows from your favourite creators. You can get a subscription for as little as $2.99 a month with their annual plan, plus a seven-day free trial to get started. Visit luminarypodcasts.com to start your free trial. It's not available in all markets. It is subject to local currency. Terms apply. Yeah, let's have a listen to this clip. Let me know if you like it. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not a successful route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. I've got a few things to say here. 
One is like um, I think that the limitations of you know scientism, not I would say not just the reference of economics and the sort of the centripetal point of economics in the limited apparent dichotomy of left versus right, even in extreme forms such as you know sort of communism versus free market capitalism. That that the this sort of philosophical accompaniment to that, the the, the sort, of, the sort of soft power arm of that is kind of what I would call scientism. I'm interested in like just that one moment from. From the primary Democrat primary campaigns, where briefly Marianne Williamson was sort of like part of the debate, where she said something along the lines of "You lot," she said to her sort of co-democratic candidates, "are not going to be able to tackle the dark psychic forces unleashed by this man with this kind of moot sort of I don't know bureaucracy." She said something or technocracy. I can't remember exactly what she said, but she kind of indicated that great powers had been inadvertently or perhaps deliberately stirred by the sort of the phenomena of the last four years now evidently of course uh, biden uh, succeeded and again i think we we can already evaluate what's causing the, the dissatisfaction that leads to trumpism in a kind of in in the kind of uh, values aside from some sort of obvious sort of uh, social justice stuff that any anyone would agree with i'm sure like the in in where power is being apportioned the kind of appointments that are being made and the kind of economic policy that's being reinstated you know like they don't inspire much and i i wonder adam like aside from this the stories you're telling in your film which of course sort of lead us up to this point and one of the figures you study is Donald Trump right in like uh, or, or the one of the stories you tell is of Donald Trump from his sort of uh, New York landlord days up to present day and some curious relationships he has with other people you tell the stories about I just wonder how you feel like current American politics um, relates to the you know particularly with the uh, election of Biden to the some of the stories you're telling in um, your latest films I remember watching that primary debate with Marianne. Was she Marianne Williamson? That's right, yeah. I got into a lot of trouble with some of my friends for saying, I thought she was really good. Because, I mean, I know she's a hippie, and you know, and you're a hippie, but she, she somehow, what I really liked about it, she suddenly started talking in a language that put things in epic terms. It just made me realise how narrow and how limited... The focus of political debate has been. She was just, it was, she made it epic. Uh, and I thought that was really quite a, exciting. It was a glimpse into something. Um, but no, I mean, she, she was immediately kicked out, wasn't she? Yes. I don't know. I just thought, I just thought it's, it's, it's a sort of, it's really the language of politics has become so limited. Um, you ask about American politics. Well, I mean, it's, it's, in boring journalistic terms, what I worry about is that Biden has appointed in his foreign policy many people who were effectively hawks, over both over Iraq and now over China. And I do think that one of the real problems of America is ever since the Cold War, it's it's got to have this sort of fear thing. And, 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 and it was bin Laden for a bit, and then it was Putin. Have you noticed how Putin has rather disappeared? Yeah. And now it's Xi Jinping. Um, and and I just think that a lot of the people he's, well, some of the people he's appointed to high positions in his foreign policy team are sort of China hawks. And we're going to get another wave of that. Because there is a thing at the moment. And again, a lot of um, 
people are sort of happy. It's a bit, it, it reminds one very much of the Iraq war, is a lot of people on the liberal left are also quite rightly concerned about the Uyghurs and, and the way that the Chinese are behaving in their mass re-education programs, which sounds really appalling. But, but you will get this strange alliance between the, the, the liberal right and the liberal left over China, very much as you did over the Iraq war. So what I'm really saying is it, it just what goes around comes around at the moment in, in, in liberal politics is that they need a threat at the moment. And I'm not, I don't mean this is a universal thing. It's just at the moment, in the absence of any positive vision, they will, China is going to fulfill that function. Whereas I think what's really interesting about China is that it may not be as strong and as much part of the future as we think it is. Uh, that that it, it is as much a decaying political system that relies, which is hanging on to power through mass surveillance systems and has no real ideas of the future. It is as sort of hamstrung by that as, as we are. Um, yet what they're going to do is they're going to turn it into this really frightening idea of the future. Um, and I just think that's a missed, you know, again, we're going to get preoccupied by that and not talk about how we can change things for the better domestically. That's pretty cool. Like, I think what you see, like, Adam, it sounds like, um, and maybe this is something I'm remembering from the films, that these sort of apparent great sort of empires or states are hollowed out on examination. And I remember, like, when Grenfell happened, my mate James, who you know, saying, like, he lives around there, and he said that, like, w when that happened, you realised that everything was sort of subcontracted by sort of five degrees, and there's no one there. There's no there there. You go to the building, and it's been hollowed out. There is no council person that go, oh, sorry about all this. We'll better sort that out. And, like, that bin man getting sacked that booted the head off a snowman. He's like a subcontractor, subcontractor, contractor bin man there is no sort of cohesive social uh a sort of a, a alliance or contract or bond between us that these things are sort of hollow and empty and held together by the conservation of dead ideas and you, you're right that does suggest that doesn't suggest strength yeah dead ideas that sums it up really that if you look at it where are we at the moment we're living in in the attempt to keep stable what effectively in this country and in America since 2008 are pretty much dead ideas. I mean, it is very strange that we now have banks doing what's called negative interest. You know, they'll, they'll actually pay you to borrow money. It's, 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 it's odd. There's something weird about this. You know, what we, okay, the, 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 the argument about Mrs. Thatcher and Ronald Reagan is that actually they weren't as successful as we think, that by the mid-1980s, they had failed to regenerate industry in America and Britain. The, the factories were closing massively. And in the face of that, they turned to the financial system to lend money to people. And they did that very successfully for 30 years. And lots of people, A, could go and buy a lot of, and have a lot of fun with that. They also felt that their wages were going up even when they weren't, yeah? Mm. That crashed in 2008. And since then, we've been stumbling along. And that's where we are. And, 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 and it feels like a dead idea that we're trying to keep going. And, and I just think that maybe that'll change. But I don't know. Maybe you're right. Hey, Adam, did you make a film for Massive Attack where you had loads of uh, buildings collapsing that was filmed before 9-11? Like, or sort of they were clips from films. Is that right? It was, it was all those um, apocalyptic films from the 90s. Which were all all about 
um, people from outer space coming in and attacking, actually, uh, you know, attack, not attacking, flying into buildings in New York and other places in America. What were you saying with that? I was trying to point out that one of the things of our time is that we imagined a dark dystopian future somewhere starting in the mid to late 90s. And, and, and that was expressed through those films. And why 9-11 was so powerful in our imaginations is it seemed to confirm those dark dystopian imaginings. They came real. And that catastrophe and that catastrophic effect of that, what seemed like a confirmation, really rocked our societies, not just America, but us too. And, and I, I, I was reading somewhere the other day was saying, really what we're living through is a series of catastrophes which continually we have no idea of the dimensions of. So you have 9-11, then you have the banking crisis of 2008, the global banking crisis, then you have Brexit, then you have Trump, and then you have the pandemic, which is much worse than any of them. But it's a series of catastrophes in, in societies that, as you say, have dead ideas. So we haven't really got a, a, a story of where, where we're going, which allows us to put those shocks in proportion. I mean, I know that actually when a catastrophe happens, you're knocked sideways. But what we lack is after we, the immediate shock uh, is an ability to put it into a sense of proportion. Our journalism tends to run out of control and just the darkest imaginings come out. I mean, I'm not saying this about the pandemic at all. We have no idea about that. And that is genuinely terrifying. But with 9-11, with the banking crisis, with Brexit, with Trump, we get into these hysterias. And one of the things I very find very interesting about the last four years with Brexit and with Trump is that whilst the experience of living through those four years was one of continual chaos, hysteria, panic and distrust, if you actually look at what happened, in Britain and in America over those four years, did anything change in the structure of power? Trump, as far as I can see, Trump's foreign policy, he did a few things, especially over Iran. Domestically, apart from reducing taxes for rich people, which is what I think Republicans tend to do, he didn't do anything else. That it was sort of, it was a, there was a weird disconnect. Inside our heads, there was this continual churn and hysteria Every day, the newspapers would tell you about Trump and Brexit and Trump and Putin. It, outside in the real world, actually nothing changed. The structure of power continued. The inequalities grew. The anger carried on un, un, unanswered. It, 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 it's a very weird time. There is this disconnect going on. And it's something to do with... Well, I would say this, but it, it's the decay of the idea of the individual. We've gone inside our own heads, followed by the internet companies who love creating what they call high arousal emotions inside us. Whilst outside, actually, there's this complete frozen world. That's interesting. That's interesting because it's sort of a correlative to the kind of value of cultivating an inner life that could create the conditions for change that we are discussing 
awakened, enlightened individuals that have a different relationship with the external world as a result of not living in a state of stimulation, but transcendence of that stimulation. Those two points you made there about the sort of like the the theatre of Trump, the spectacle of Trump versus the sort of real change. I know that there'll be people listening, and go, oh no, but this happened and that happened and stuff. But I, you know, of course, I am inclined to agree. And the sort of symbolic power of. Uh, uh, of uh, tragic events such as 9-11 or, or suggest this c- kind of play, this kind of theatre and a, a word you use towards the end there is a kind of a, a disconnect, a disconnect between our inner lives, our feelings of reality and the reality that we're experiencing and I can see in this inc- increasingly large margin uh, a, an uh, an appetite is growing. An appetite is growing by the, the kind of the very people that were, um, you know, sort of con- condemned and ab- abandoned uh, in the discourse around Brexit and the conditions that led to it, and uh, the people that are sort of uh, criticised and uh, abandoned under around the sort of the polemicism in America. I feel that you know, these, this is a, these other very people that will benefit from new ideas new approaches and when you say adam like you know yeah of course a vision ultimately requires like particularly something that's sort of potentially global obviously it requires a, a sort of a you know central symbols motifs and ideas but ultimately isn't it really going to be about controlling regulating and in some cases extracting power altogether from the places where power currently resides in order to empower individuals and communities to live their lives unencumbered by the the unreasonable economic imperatives that are currently placed on them. If you're enjoying this conversation, join me over at Luminary for the rest of our discussion and for all of the latest episodes of Underskin. Go to luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial. See you there. It's a fantastic podcast network.